whether you're joining us online or on site, once again, Merry Christmas. We're at Christ Church, a church about lifting lives, elevating Christ, a church for those who are not here yet. My name is Nathan Miskey. I'm one of the vicars, which is a fancy way of saying pastor in training here at Christ Church. And it's my joy and my privilege and my opportunity this evening to talk to you about the gift, the real gift of Christmas. But first, we're going to do some other things. We'll get to back to that in a few minutes. First, I want to put something on the screen that, that might be a little, little bit scary, might, might take you back a little bit, might, might jump you back in your seats a little bit. It's 2020. <laughs> I thought some of you might have a visceral reaction to seeing 2020. What a crazy year it's been. I, I honestly look forward to what historians are going to write about this year, what they're going to say about this year, but I do already know what people right now are saying about 2020. They're using certain adjectives, certain words to describe 2020, and most of them aren't all that positive. They're saying things like, oh, 2020, what an awful year. 2020, what a horrible year. Some people have even gone as far as to say 2020, the worst year ever. My favorite, the one I, I always chuckle at when I hear, because I've heard it so much this year, is unprecedented. 2020 has been an unprecedented year. These unprecedented times, this unprecedented pandemic, and even this unprecedented election. And all these words that people have used to frame 2020 have been pretty negative. In my life, I try, don't always succeed, but I try to make things as positive as possible. So the best way I could do, or at least get close to framing 2020 as positive, is that 2020 has been unideal. At a minimum, it's been unideal. It's probably been worse than that, but at a minimum, it's been unideal. And you know this, kids, if you're in school, preschool, daycare, whatever it is, you know the challenges and, and the issues that have faced your, your guys' lives, right? You don't know if you're going to be able to go in person to these events. Or maybe, maybe you're able to, and then all of a sudden it closes for a couple weeks. Or the janitor that walked into your class one time had COVID, so now your whole class is quarantined for two weeks. That's unideal. Or how about you're a parent of one of those kids, and you have to figure out your schedule, which is so based on their schedule, and it's just not congruent, and that's affecting your work life, that's affecting every part of your life, and that is unideal. Speaking of work, I think anyone who's in the working world could say that 2020 has been unideal. I mean, maybe you work with people. Maybe your job is working with people and meeting with people and shaking hands with people and getting together with people, and you haven't really been able to do that as effectively in 2020. Sure, you're making changes, you're Zooming, you're, you're, you're calling people, but it's just not the same, and it's just not ideal. Or maybe, hypothetically speaking, you're, you're a pastor in training, and you find out that both your pastors have been quarantined, and you have one day to prepare the biggest message of the year. <laughs> Trust me, that's unideal. But in this unideal year, of course, we come to Christmas in 2020, which is an unideal Christmas. And even though 2020 has taught us a lot, I think one thing it's taught us is how to adapt and how to adapt effectively so that we're able to keep the most important things in place while changing the other things that might need, might need to be changed. In essence, we're keeping things the same yet different. And I think with Christmas, we're doing that too. 
the differences are obvious. I mean, just look around the room. Maybe you're joining us online, and for every year of your life, you've been to church on Christmas, and this is the first time you've ever not come. That's different. Or even if you are in the room with us, you're looking around and you're seeing people further apart than they've ever been and they're wearing masks and you're not giving the handshakes, you're not giving the hugs you're used to giving on Christmas. That is different. Or with your families. Maybe you're still getting together but it's a smaller group of people or you're doing a Zoom get-together or you're FaceTiming or you're calling. It's different. But yet, the most important things remain the same. Yes, worship looks very different, but we are still worshiping. Yes, your family gatherings and family traditions have probably been changed this year, but I bet you're still finding ways to connect with your family. And yes, Christmas 2020 is unideal, but the same Christ that entered the world 2,000 years ago enters into your lives today. The same love, the same joy, the same peace, the same hope, that same God enters into the world today, too. And so we are in the midst of an unideal Christmas, but the good news is this is not the first unideal Christmas. The first unideal Christmas was actually the first Christmas. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in the shoes of Mary, the Virgin Mary. You're engaged to Joseph, great guy Joseph, but then you find out, uh, Mary, you're pregnant, and Joseph's not the dad. The dad is actually... God? That's unideal. Oh, by the way, Mary, uh, there's a census, and I know you're nine months pregnant, but you got to walk 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, uh, and, you know, that's probably, probably not the most ideal situation for you. Oh, by the way, Mary, when you get there, nowhere to stay. There's nowhere you're going to be able to stay, but I, there's a barn or a cave out back. Uh, you, you can stay in there and, you know, give birth in there. That's unideal. Oh, by the way, Mary, uh, this newborn king you just gave birth to, well, the old king, Herod, he's not going to be very happy about this, uh, and he's going to try to kill your, ki your kid. That's unideal. And yet, in the midst of this unideal first Christmas, there's still some things that remain the same. Yeah, there's differences. Yeah, they were walking places, they weren't driving places. Instead of putting gifts below the Christmas tree, they were putting gifts below the manger. But the same God that entered into the world 2,000 years ago enters into the world today, too. The Gospel writer Matthew tells the story of Jesus' birth like this. Now, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. So he had a firsthand account of Jesus' life, but also his death and his resurrection, too. But he tells the story like this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, take note of these wise men. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Herod knew Jesus was coming for his throne. Then Herod told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. This right here is what's known as a lie. <laughs> Herod did not want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men from eastern lands brought to Jesus these gifts. And these gifts had significance. They had a deeper meaning associated with them. They brought him the gift of gold. Gold to signify that Jesus was king. He was king of the Jews, but because these were the wise men bringing these gifts, these wise men from eastern lands, lands outside of Israel, they were not Jewish. So this newborn king of the Jews wasn't just the king of the Jews, but he was the king of all people. And he's not just the king of all people that existed at that time, but he's the king of all people of all times, which means he reigns over our lives just like he reigned over theirs. And he doesn't just reign over people. He reigns over all of creation. This king, this newborn king, reigns over everything. All the problems, all the brokenness, all the sorrow. And you know what? He even reigns over death too. But we'll get to that. They brought him a gift of frankincense. Frankincense to symbolize his priesthood. That Jesus was to be the go-between between us and God. In fact, Jesus himself was God. But he was human too. And through Jesus, we as humans can relate to God. Through Jesus, we as humans can be made right in the eyes of God. We can be made pure in the eyes of God. And we could be made clean in the eyes of God too. And they brought him a gift of myrrh to symbolize and prophesy and predict his upcoming suffering and his death, where Jesus would take on all the brokenness, all the sins, all the problems of all people of all times, which means he takes on your sin, your brokenness, your mourning, your suffering too. And he would take that on and he would die for it. And in that he would bear the punishment that we deserve for you. But because he is not just the one who died for us, but he's the one who rose again for us because of his reigning over death, he was powerful enough to conquer over death itself and in that conquer over sin and your sin too. So these wise men were very wise in the gifts they brought because they had so much meaning. And they instituted a practice that we continue to this day, which is gift-giving. On this first Christmas, the wise men brought gifts, just like we give gifts to each other today on Christmas. Right? We give gifts to our family members, to our loved ones, give gifts to our friends. And so in this way, we are like the wise men. And we're like the wise men in more than just our gift-giving, because like the wise men, we for I'm guessing 99% of us, are not Jewish. We are not a part of God's original chosen people, but when Jesus entered in the world, he was the king for all people, which means he was the king over our lives too. So if we're to be like the wise men, that means we're probably called to give gifts to Jesus too. But the question then is, what gifts could we possibly bring to Jesus I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of gold lying around at my house. And I certainly don't have any frankincense or myrrh. 
In fact, I don't even know where I would get frankincense or myrrh. Is it on Amazon? Does it have two-day shipping? Will it arrive before Christmas? I don't know. So if I'm not going to bring gold or frankincense or myrrh to Jesus, what gifts could I bring to Jesus? What does Jesus even need? What could I bring that would be worthy of giving to Jesus? Jesus doesn't need my gifts, right? I mean, after all, Jesus doesn't need my money. And yet he calls us to be radically generous. Jesus doesn't need my time. And yet he calls us to pray and to worship. Jesus doesn't need my stuff. And yet he calls us to faithfully steward over what we have been given. So what then can we bring to Jesus? What gift can we present to this newborn king? Well, remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the God who loved you so much he died for you. And if Jesus loves you so much that he died for you, what Jesus wants more than anything is you. You are the gift. You are the gift that Jesus desires more than anything. But not just a part of you. Not just the good parts of you. Not just your stuff. Not just your money. All of you. All your hopes. All your dreams. All your aspirations. All that you desire. But all your brokenness. All your pain. All your suffering. And all your sin too. Jesus wants all of you. But you're probably thinking, Nathan, it's 2020. How could I give more of myself? How could I give all of myself? If I do that, what will be left? Why would I do that? How could I do it? Well, you can give more and you can give all of yourself because what you will be given and what you have already been given in return is so much greater. You see, when Jesus entered into the world on Christmas, he entered in because he loved you. The real gift of Christmas, the real gift of Christmas isn't what we give to each other. It's not what we give our family members and friends. The real gift of Christmas isn't even what we bring to God. The real gift of Christmas is not the gold, it's not the frankincense, and it's not the myrrh. The real gift of Christmas is Jesus Christ himself. He is the gift. When Jesus entered into the world, he entered in and said, I am the gift. I am the gift. That same God enters into your life too. The same God who created you enters into the world on Christmas. The same God who knit you together in your mother's womb enters into the world on Christmas. The same God who loves you and walks beside you enters into the world on Christmas. The same God who loved you so much that he chose to die for you enters into the world on Christmas. And the same God who is powerful enough to conquer over death enters into the world on Christmas. 
So how can we give more? How can we possibly give all of ourselves? Well, we can do it because what we have been given in return is so much greater. What we get in return is the greatest gift we could possibly have. This is the great gift exchange of Christmas. It's not the exchanges we have with our families. No, it's that when we give ourselves to God, Jesus enters in and gives so much more of himself. When we give all of ourselves to God, all of our brokenness, all of our troubles, all of our pain, all of our suffering, Jesus exchanges that for love. He exchanges it for peace. He exchanges it for hope. And he exchanges it for joy. Jesus will take what is broken in your life and make it whole again. Jesus will take what is empty in your life and fill it. Jesus will take what is sinful in your life and make it right again. Jesus will take what is dirty in your life and make it clean. So how can we give more of ourselves? How can we give all of ourselves? Well, we can do it because what we have been given is so much greater. It's not, it's not an exchange that is a burden on us. It's not an exchange that should be a hardship on us. No, it's a sweet exchange. It's a happy exchange. We get to enter into this exchange joyfully because we know that Jesus, the God that loves us, will exchange it for so much better. It is an unideal year, and it is an unideal Christmas. But there is one thing that remains the same. Jesus, the light of the world, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, enters into the world and he enters into your life too. So let us give to him all of ourselves. Let us give to him all that we are, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, all of our mourning, all of our brokenness. And let him exchange it the way only he can. In the midst of this unideal Christmas, because Jesus enters the world, it is still a merry Christmas. Amen, good? Let's pray. Good and gracious and loving God, Jesus, Lord of our lives, we thank you, we praise you, and we are in awe of just how much you love us. Jesus, thank you for choosing to enter into this world, to become flesh and dwell among us. God, we are so grateful that you do have done this for us. God, no matter the sorrow, no matter the suffering, no matter the pain, no matter the brokenness, no matter the sin, help us to still willingly present ourselves to you and in exchange receive your love, your joy, your peace, and your hope. Jesus, you are Lord, and you are Lord over our lives, and you reign over all of us and over all the earth. 
God, in the midst of an unideal year, in the midst of an unideal Christmas, enter into our lives. Take what is broken and make it whole. Take what is dirty and make it clean. And take what is dead, resurrect it, and make it alive again. God, we love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the newborn King. Amen.